You're listening to episode 232 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Dwayne, as we begin, finally, our look at season four of TNT's The Librarians, and how are you doing on this icy day, not really snowy? Yeah, yeah, I mean, we got home from school early, and I had all these plans of, uh, you know, coming home and getting work done, and I got home, and I was cold, so I pulled up a blanket on the couch and fell asleep. <laughs> Well, so, uh, sounds good. I, I managed to get a half hour nap in, which obviously is a lot easier for me than you, but right. still, I got it in. Um, all right. Um, before we begin, and, and we've got a few things to talk about before we actually get into the librarians, and we'll try to keep it brief, as we said. Love to hear from you, as we said. Emails to sci fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Website, you can leave a voicemail on the leave voicemail tab. If you want to record your own, send us. The MP3 is an attachment. Tweet us at Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. And we'd encourage you to consider joining the Facebook group and join the discussions there. All right. So the big announcement this week is something that, you know, I, I think way back we said we, we really didn't want to do it. But since I've had a few listeners contact me over the last few months about wanting to contribute to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, which, you know, it's certainly not free to put on a podcast, you know, uh, things like hosting fees and equipment and all of that. But we've really never wanted to get into that. That said, we now have a Patreon page. If you want to kick in a couple bucks here and there, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash sci-fi tv rewatch there's a link on the home page for the podcast and just scroll down a little bit you'll see the big patreon tab there and just you know put your cursor to where it will link it but i mean one thing that that wayne and i feel strongly about we will never charge for content we're, we're never going to head that way and there's a doctor who podcast that i've mentioned to you before called radio free scarrow and they're really popular and mm-hmm. I, I love what they do is that, you know, they have a Patreon page. They, you know, I- accept donations. They don't make a big thing about it. I, I didn't even know they had it. I just stumbled across the fact. That, and that's the approach we're going to take. We're not going to beat you over the head with it outside of tonight. Um, right. <laughs> but the bonus content, if you will, is always going to be for everybody. So that, you know, if we meet certain goals, whether you contribute or not, everybody will have access to it. So there it is. Patreon.com slash sci-fi TV rewatch. Go to the homepage, find the link there. And, you know, maybe every month or so uh, I might throw a quick link on the Facebook group or we'll mention something here and there, but pretty much that's it. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we made a point and I won't belabor this, but just, you know, like to stay kind of outside of like sponsorship or be beholden to anyone so we can say what we want and, and everything. And, um, you know, and, and also, like I said, like that to always make it available always and, and never charge for the content and, you know, and, but, you know, like there are some people that make some money doing this stuff and, you know, we just thought, you know, Hey, I mean, we've been asked about it a number of times. And so we figured, well, you know, we'll put something out there and if you want to give, give, if you don't, don't, it's still good. You're still going to get the show. Don't worry about it. But uh, if you'd like to demonstrate your appreciation in uh, in Dead Presidents, then that's great, too. So, All right, cool. All right, well, let's get on to some listener feedback. And this is a question from Elena Teresa, who obviously you and I just know as Elena, and she doesn't have her sure. last name on the Facebook page. But uh, we'll put her home address and phone number out there so that everybody especially <laughs> – Okay. Uh, she just likes just sounding super Catholic when she uses exactly when she talks right. about sci-fi. So. so, so she poses the question: Which traveler has the most difficult role to play? And you know, it's one of those things. I think we've talked about it sort of, you know, tangentially here and there. But I don't know. What do you think? That's a great question. You know, I think there's there's like give and take and everything. Like my first thought, I would. Generally, say Philip, I think, but just because of you know he was, he's basically been addicted to something on, in every episode, right? Um, yeah. And and he has no one; he doesn't really have support. We talked about how his plus one in kidnapping was Ray. You know, I tend to think maybe 
the people who have the deepest emotional connections might have it the worst. And I don't know whether that would be um, Grant you know, with Kat or, or Carly with the baby, right? Because that is a tremendous responsibility. Now, granted, one that she's taken on herself. You know, it's not like she has searched through Carly's consciousness to find the connection with the baby, which really what Marcy and, and Grant have both done, right? She's just taken this on naturally. Um, so, you know, I guess, I don't know. I, I don't know. They, I they all have like kind of equal amounts of either personal issues they're dealing with or uh, people that they care for that makes their job almost impossible to do. Um, so I'm going to go with Carly because she's trying to raise a baby. And okay. the, and the baby daddy is a complete D-bag. Yeah. Well, I would certainly think that Trevor would be the least. He, he would be number five. I think he has the easiest role to play. Uh, you know, of the five and, and certainly McLaren with his wife, as you mentioned, and, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, now they're talking about adopting, that's difficult. But I, th- I think I agree with you with Philip because of the knowledge he holds. And, you know, the, what, what you said about his addictions and right now, I guess he's still using the eye drops that, you know, Marcy well, has been able to. Well, I don't know because to, he uh, was almost out of eye drops, right? But he's kind of now well, he's yeah. like a, he's addicted to those yellow pills that he has to take to uh, to keep from seeing the those visions or whatever. Right. Well, that's true. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I mean, I guess I always assumed that Marcy was able to reverse engineer the eye drops, uh, you know, that that he got from his girlfriend. I can't remember her name now. Jenny. Uh, Jenny. Jenny. But regardless, the, the information that he holds. I think it's really weighing him down and it's a heavy yeah. burden. And in a lot of cases, he's responsible for supporting the team financially. It's up to him to, you know, and, and a granted, I guess he's got enough information now to make it relatively easy, certainly easier than it was getting. But yeah, so I guess I'm going to go with Philip. You're going with Carly. Yeah. But I, you know, I'd forgotten about that whole, he knows what's going to happen though. I'm not so sure he does. Like I think we mentioned in, in uh, episode, uh, the last episode that, um, you know, he did a really crap job of, uh, you know, knowing what was going to happen. So, you know, I don't know. Okay. All right. Now, Fred sent us in two audio clips, and I'm going to go ahead and play them back to back. And the first one, I, I think, sets up something that, that you know, we want to continue to encourage. And then the second one's a little bit of comment on the uh, library. And so uh, take a listen to Fred. Hello, Dave, Wayne, uh, and listeners to the Librarians podcast. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback on Season 1, Episode 1 and 2. Listeners to the Travelers podcast of Dave and Wayne uh, have heard me before and know a little bit uh, about my background. But for listeners just to the Librarians podcast, they would probably say, what the heck, feedback for Episode 1 and 2 of Season 1? I will explain a little bit. Uh, Dave and Wayne had a marvelous podcast about Travelers, a show I really can recommend to everybody. Uh, But season two ended now. So I was thinking, how can I give feedback to a show with which I still have to start? And and now season four is going on. I'm not much of a binge watcher, so I I cannot keep up and uh, just watch in a few weekends uh, season one, two and three. And uh, I told uh, Dave and Wayne that, and they just invited me to say, okay, when you have feedback on on the beginning of of Librarians, you're welcome, just do that. So what I did is uh, watch the first, uh, the combined uh, first and uh, second episode, and what I did, listened to the one-hour podcast, number 160 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch of Dave and Wayne. And I have to say, again, by the way, I'm not disappointed about this tip uh, for a series. I give this combined first episode an 8.5, which will be uh, an A or A+, more or less. And that was the same grade uh, Dave and Wayne gave this first episode um, when they made this uh, podcast uh, on the 9th of July uh, of 2016. 
I want to say on beforehand, I won't disturb your uh, uh, season four podcasts um, with my uh, talking about the first season. But perhaps after viewing uh, uh, five or six episodes again, um, I will come back if Dave and Wayne uh, are, are okay with that. Okay, now some feedback on the premiere of the Librarian uh, series. Uh, first of all, I was uh, triggered by the opening credits, seeing the name of Rebecca Romain. Um, and I was triggered because it's a Dutch name, actually pronounced in Dutch as Romain. It's, it's, a, it's a known name in the Netherlands, and it actually means uh, Roman. Um, I find it very funny how you pronounce it. Um, I didn't know knew her that much, but uh, looked it up as you did, and uh, she is uh, of course in the X Men. But I also saw her, her a role of of her in the 2002 film uh, Femme Fatale, and I'm really going to check that out. I didn't, I don't know if you have seen it, but I'm going to check that out for sure. One other character we saw is, of course, Bob Newhart as Judson, um, and that gave me a quite uh, uh, Big Bang Theory uh, feeling. Uh, and last but not least, uh, uh, Matt Fuller, um, who is playing Dr. Leakey and Orphan Black. And, well, uh, Orphan Black is actually the reason that you are hearing me. Um, be before 2014, I was not into watching series and, and podcasts, etc. I was too busy with my job. And then my wife gave me a DVD box of Orphan Black, and then everything started. Um, and eventually, I even went uh, last August for nine days to the city of Toronto uh, just to visit Orphan Black uh, filming sites. So... A nerd was coming out of me, and I'm enjoying this all very much. And even uh, next October, I will go to our very first international convention uh, for Winona Earp in, um, in Minneapolis. So what did I think of the episode, or of the series as a whole? It really gave me a kind of Warehouse 13 feeling. Uh, and you should know that I have seen two seasons of Warehouse 13, and uh, I had have to start with third uh, uh, season um, and actually they are quite back-to-back um, -back, uh, broadcasted because uh, Warehouse 13 with its five seasons ended in May 2014 and uh, the librarian started in December 2014. But to judge from just this uh, um, premiere uh, I have to say I like I think librarians more than Warehouse 13. There is more action in it. Um, there is quite humor in it, but it's less silly. Um, and it's, uh, it has more good, uh, not snappy dialogue, but also good snappy dialogue. And as you said in your podcast, it's a fun show. Um, uh, after seeing all kinds of more dark shows like Lost Girl, of which I'm in the fourth season, by the way. I have uh, one uh, remark about uh, the episode, and that's the romantic um, uh, relationship that's already there a little bit between Flynn and Eve. Um, I think for the first episode that went quite quite quickly um, because they had to get used to each other, and um, Eve says to Lamia, um, "I like to work with the librarian. He is weird." But interesting. And just a little further they kiss. So I don't know how this will evolve further in the series. But I found it a little quick for just the first episode. So thank you Dave and Wayne for another interesting podcast. Thank you very much. Till next time. Greetings Fred from the Netherlands. All right. Well, the first one where, you know, he's talking about the fact that we encourage listeners to comment on earlier shows that we've covered. So, for instance, we're doing Librarian Season 4, but if you're jumping in at Season 1 or Season 2 and you want to make a comment about that episode, you know, certainly do it. We'd be happy to uh, comment on it. And, uh, you know, now the second one where he, you know, he, he's talking about having watched episode one and episode two of season one and, and you know we've said all along one of the things that's great about the librarians and there's so much great about it it's that a family can sit down and watch it together and the parents don't have to cringe 
at what their right. kids might see or hear. Except if and, uh, if your kid still believes in Santa Claus, maybe keep them away from the <laughs> first remember, Christmas episode. <laughs> I remember you saying that. Uh, oh, absolutely. But the other thing that Fred uh, points out in his second audio, that, that he's been motivated now to visit sets of shows that he's really into and, and motivated to attending some cons, something that I, you know, I just wish, and, and certainly I've documented it many times on this podcast, I'm not somebody that likes to travel. Uh, Michael does it all the time, you know, mm-hmm. partly, you know, through, uh, uh, you know, working for Den of Geek, but, uh, you know, so I just think that's great. And uh, sure, that's awesome. You know, you know, I think it's a wonderful experience. See some of the, the things that you see on the show and anyway so well Fred, especially it's for... like the the danger of like tv fanhood is that it keeps you in your house in front of your television and really like it should it, ideally i mean it's, i think it's awesome how people connect so much more on social media today and we can use like our fandom to connect and i've you know i, I guess i could say i've met so many people um like through facebook and everything that you know are living completely different parts of the world, and it's it's awesome, you know, to to have these people that are like my friends, you know, and I've never even met them face to face, but that's all good, um, yeah, because they're cool, and uh, you know, so I think that that the more it can bring people together and get people out and doing things and bring together socially, I think that's great, and that's to me that's kind of what it's all about. Yeah, a- absolutely. So, all right. Now, before we get into librarians, uh, you wanted to mention a little bit about the Doctor Who Christmas episode, which you generally we talk a little bit about it, some years more than others. But, but of course, we had a, a big event in this one with the regeneration and the introduction of the new Doctor. I mean, certainly we, we've known uh, who it was going to be for a while now. But what do you think? Yeah, well, first of all, I absolutely love the episode. I, I said this on Facebook. I thought it was fabulous. I thought it was great uh, how they brought in. I can't remember the actor's name who played you know the first Doctor, and he's the same guy who played Hartnell in the uh, Voyage in Space and Time TV movie, right? Okay, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the same guy, um, I and think he's so. just he's he's brilliant and you know he's he's been so many things he's awesome and everything he does um and he was just great and it was so funny with the you know kind of like politically incorrect doctor who seems still locked in the early 60s um and you know the you know now the new doctor having to tell him all the things he couldn't say uh it was great that they had like it was like a non-bad guy you know like, he's like, I'm going to find out what you're doing. I always find out. Then if I don't like it, I'm going to stop it. And then when he finds out, it's just like, oh, you're really not doing anything bad at all. You know? And it just seems awesome. It's like Moffat's send-off. That is like, there's no bad guy, you know? Yeah, he even says, I don't even know what to do when there's no evil. I mean, that was awesome. Uh, we were obviously anticipating uh, the new Doctor coming in. I thought, oh, well, plus it was great how he saw all his old companions uh, before he went out, that was that was a, a feels moment there. So yeah, I just I, I loved it. Yeah, I mean, it would have been nice to see a little bit more of Jodie Whittaker, but I, I guess the reality was, I think we knew we weren't going to see much of her in this episode. So yeah, and that's you know, been with it is all it of the the last ever since you know um, ever since David Tennant took over um, from Chris Eccleston, it's been the same thing. This that one quick scene and then that's it you know just like that you get like 30 seconds maybe one line and that's it right and usually it's like a what the hell <laughs> yeah right right you, as well, they realize you know her line god i must have rewound it like 10 times and i kept thinking she it sounds like she's saying ah berlin I'm like, why would she say "Ah, Berlin"? That's like the craziest line. I looked it up and found she was saying "Ah, brilliant," and I played it back again, and she's saying "Ah, brilliant," but in a crazy thick accent. And I'm just like, oh man, am I gonna have to start? Am I gonna have to start uh, putting on the uh, closed captioning when I watch Doctor Who now to understand what the doctor's saying? So, yeah, there you go. Welcome to my world. <laughs> so, um, I, I, you know what? I've gotten used to it. Anyway, all right. So Doctor Who was great. Not sure when the new season is going to start, but 
a lot to look forward to. So, oh yeah, there was All one right. thing I mentioned about though, because you know our buddy Joe uh, back at school, I was talking to him the other day, and he didn't know that Jody Whitaker was taken. He didn't know who was taking over, and I was like so jealous. I'm like, oh my god, if you could watch that, not knowing who the new doctor was going to be, like, and then and then it, it's a woman, and you're just, you know, like how. How incredible would that experience have been, you know? I know. Like, it was just been Which, so mind-blowing. And uh, and I was just like, you know, I was like kicking myself. But there's there's zero possibility that I could have kept spoiler fee from that. There's just no way. I don't know how he did it, honestly. I don't know yeah, how he knew. Because you guys, th- this friend of ours, Joe, he, he owns computers. He has an internet connection, both at home and at work. So I don't know. Anyway. All right, well, let's get on to the librarians. Yeah, let's do it. And this is episode 401, The Librarians in the Dark Secret, written by Marco Schnabel, who wrote the season premiere of season three, Rise of Chaos. And he also wrote 310, the season finale, Wrath of Chaos, directed by Mark Roskin. And this is the 10th episode of The Librarians that he's directed. And it aired on December 13th, 2017. Now, as everybody knows, they aired one and two back to back on that same night. But as we said, we're going to deal with them one at a time. So yep. we've got two wonderful guest stars, John yeah. Noble as Monsignor Vega. And, and obviously we know him from Fringe as Walter Bishop. Did you ever watch Sleepy Hollow? You know, I watched the first season of Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. Okay. But he and was, yeah, I, he was the son, right? He was the guy's son or something like that. Henry Parrish. I, I, you know, I think we covered the pilot way back we when did. we were doing pilot previews. And of course he wasn't in the pilot, but anyway, so he's in that. I just and realized then, if I, course, uh, if I, if you hadn't seen Sleepy Hollow, <clears throat> I just uh, dropped a major spoiler, I think, but yeah, well, that's ignore okay. it. Don't rewind. Yeah. The other one is Rachel Nichols as Nicole Noon. And of course, we know her as Rachel Gibson from Alias season five, where she was set to take over for Jennifer Garner. But I thought she was really good, but I guess they decide uh, we'll just end it there. And then Kira Cameron in Continuum as the ultimate time cop. Sorry, Van Damme. But (laughs) now I know you were saying that you've got to go back and watch the first movie yeah. And when you when you said that it just wasn't clicking. And right. of of course, you know, now I understand why. So it it kind of brings up the question, do you consider this a retcon of Nicole Noon? Yeah. You know, it it is dangerously close, especially since they have the whole exposition and then like Nicole literally says, "So you got all that?" <laughs> Oh, no, she says, well, now that we're all caught up. Like, she literally says that. And that's hilarious. It's just the writers acknowledging, okay, yeah, we just did that. You know, I don't know. Like, did they need to bring Nicole Noon back, especially when you don't have the actress who played her the first time? Right. And I'm okay with bringing that character back. And uh, look, I love Rachel Nichols, so I'm fine with bringing her back, even with the sketchy English accent, which I don't care how inaccurate it might be. I still love it. I love Sonia Walger who portrays her in the film and as to why Mm -hmm. they didn't, yeah, who knows? Maybe they did go after her and she couldn't schedule it or didn't want to. Uh, Who knows? I I mean, you'd have to think they probably asked her first and she's like, no, I'm doing other things. I've moved past the librarians. That's why I didn't do the second movie. I, I don't know if that's why she didn't. I don't even know if she was asked to do the second movie, but the thing is like all the events they describe, all that happened, like, none of that is in the movies. Right. right? The time machine and... Yeah. yeah. Right. So did they need to do all that just to bring Nicole back? They could have just brought Nicole back, you know? They could have. I mean, it's a cool callback to H.G. Wells and, and Time Machine, which I think was in, like, an 1898 novel thereabouts. Did they need to? I don't know. It's okay. I mean, certainly that aspect of it is retconning, but... All of that aside, I'm fine with it. No, no yeah. It, it, yeah. Overall, I'm fine with it. Yeah, you know, but just that first exposition part where they had to discuss everything that happened to get us caught up to understand why Nicole's here was just, 
you know, that's that's pushed it for me a little bit, you know. Okay. All right. Now, the other thing that that does kind of get mentioned in the episode is the big bad. And we're coming out of season three in which the librarians defeated APEP and, of course, prevented an apocalypse. Season two, we had Moriarty. Season one, I don't want to say it's my favorite because I don't know if I really... with APEP? Um, Didn't they go together? I can't remember anymore. I think Moriarty was in two. Season one was Duloc and the Serpent Brotherhood, which is maybe my favorite, but... You know, maybe not, but you know. So, so now we've got uh, John Noble and, and Monsignor Vega and, and his group that wants to take the world back to the Dark Ages because, uh, you know, as he says, ignorance is bliss. And, yeah. You know, I, I just, uh, I just like the the whole Catholic Church trying to prevent knowledge from fermenting is just like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't know about that. But yeah. Anyway, well, you know, I, I, yeah, uh, we'll just leave it there because. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, the other thing, anytime you have a Flynn Carson episode, it pushes the three young librarians into the background, and I get it, and and certainly they play a significant role in this one, but. I don't know. I I love those three, and it is the librarians, and I love Flynn Carson. So it's outside of making the episode longer. I don't know that there's anything they can do about it. But we do get to see Cassandra with some of her air calculations, and I don't know about you, but I think every year they make them look cooler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I don't know. Like Cassandra's outfits are still a thing of of debate for me. And yeah, you know, we actually talked about like yeah, you know, we'd mentioned last um, last season the uh, you know like kind of how it seems like they're purposely putting her in super short skirts. And you see, for most of this, she has a longer skirt on. So I'm like, hey, we've made a difference. I think Dave. I think maybe we might have influenced this. And then at the end, she had one of the super short skirts on again. I'm like, oh well, maybe not. Okay, now I, I'm going to put you on the spot here because I, I, I'm pretty sure by hearing you say that you did not listen to the Lindy Booth I, interview I did. All right, so you know what? Here, here's what I, I just was able to adjust my iTunes to get the new shows that I haven't. Well, I could, haven't. Do what? You could have gone to the website, but that's okay. But yeah, she I, does I, I could. Talk There's a lot of things that. I could have done. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, I, I love how excited she is about the tethering ceremony, and, and she ends up being the last one with the stone. As uh, you know, they're they're pursued by the priests. Jones, just watching him steal that SD card from the photographer, that was all I needed to see. That was great. Yeah, with that Jones. was awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then Stone talking art, architecture at the opera house. He sacrifices himself to allow Jones and Cassandra to escape, you know, when, when they're in the opera house. But, uh, again, we don't get to see a lot of them. Eh, Again, we understand that when Flynn Carson's in the episode, so he's not going to be in every episode. Right. I think we'll get to see plenty of them. Jenkins though, he kind of has to play the bad guy, you know, And, and, and certainly one of the things we can talk about as we go along, is he wrong? about nicole you know you don't have to answer that uh, yes. now but uh, okay you you think he is okay the, the tethering ceremony why don't we start with that because that that's okay one of the two i mean the other aspect of the show is the search for the stones but the tethering ceremony i mean of course when we see it initially we think flynn and eve are getting married right yes absolutely and it's not out of the question no having, no it's not you know known what we saw last time well and, and as fred pointed out like this you know shipping of of even flynn has been happening pretty much since episode one season one so you know right and eve clearly has not seen the first three librarian movies right because uh you know he he does seem to i can't remember the the actress's name that's in the second episode She's in that other show on USA Network, but uh, right. anyway. But we find out what the deal is with the tethering ceremony and, and the idea that the 
library is currently untethered and that when it is untethered, it becomes vulnerable to outside forces. Uh, We learned Charlene was the last to be tethered. But the point that struck me was the idea that once they become tethered, they become immortal and create a spiritual connection with the library. Did I mishear something? Because the immortal part is what really caught me. Right. Well, that was like uh, Judson and Charlene, right? Okay. So Eve is going to be immortal. Yes. Okay. And, and it, it, it will play. You haven't seen the, you've just seen this one, right? Right. Okay. So I'm not going to say anything more about that. Right. Right. Because as we're recording this, I believe seven episodes have already aired. Uh-huh. Which is such like- a, bu- I mean, right, I'm just going to take this moment to say this is that we only get the librarians for like a couple weeks uh the whole year and it's like it's when they double up like this it just it's i mean I, we said it before like and i've said it before that I, I i like it in the way that it's a week of two hours of librarians which i love but then that means that we just that get that much closer to week 10 and then it's it's done and then we we have this whole long time and it just seems like I, you know, it's just such an enjoyable show, and it just seems like it's over so quickly, you know, like that. that I don't know. So anyway, sorry. Okay. All right. Now, that to me, that was a pretty big deal. So I, I guess you're telling me that I'm going to find more information about that. So, okay. Now, the, after Yeah, there's going to be more thematic stuff going on. Okay. Now, after everything that happens with Nicole, Eve asks Flynn if they're okay, and she's ostensibly talking about the ceremony but but obviously i think we have to look at it both ways the the romantic angle as as well as the tethering ceremony and he now seems to have some doubts about tethering with the library and this whole question about whether the library is good you know personifying the library right Um, so which which was done last season right was that last season right Right, whether the library has a mind of its own, like Excalibur, for instance. Which it which, does, right? <laughs> which it does. Yeah. And that was a great scene, by the way, when Excalibur wakes Flynn up for the... Yes. For the actually, it was the rehearsal for the ceremony. Well, also, did you, you might not have caught this. What's like the first artifact even mentioned in the entire show? Um, the Holy Grail? The Spear of Destiny. Uh, okay. Which was the artifact they were chasing down with Nicole in the first movie. Okay. So a little foreshadowing there. Okay. Right? All right. Yeah. Like, it's just really casual. They're just like, oh, where do I put the Spear of Destiny here? You know? Which, and it's like, why they say, oh, okay. You know, like, I didn't catch it the first time, obviously, because I didn't know Nicole was there. But then the second time I watched it, I'm like, ah, look at that. So, yeah. anyway. You know, you brought up Fred's comment about the shipping angle, and I think we're fairly secure in the knowledge that the librarians is not going to turn this into i mean there may be a romantic triangle to a certain extent because obviously flynn still has feelings for nicole now he says to eve that he doesn't but i think that's partly why he's wavering and i'm sure he still feels guilty for having left her 500 years in the past so now we go back to that whole question. Does he think Nicole's right? D- did you notice at the end of the episode when, you know, he's standing down on the floor of the library and, he, and he's looking around up and, and I'm wondering what he's looking for and what he's thinking about. He, he's, oh, oh, he, he, okay. All right. All right. He, he sees the uh, beginner's guide to the waltz is what he picks okay. up. And right. that was a big part in the movie where they had to get, um, they got, got to that Mayan temple and there are all these like booby traps between them and oh, yeah. the piece of the spear they had to get to. They're listening to, like there's a rhythm to the booby traps and they figure out it's a waltz. So they waltz across the temple to get to the the piece of the spear. So that's oh. that's like their thing, the, the waltzing. Okay. Well, that doesn't bode well for Eve then. Well, but. yeah. And, and, you know, See, that's the thing because, you know, in the the first movie, and the, the first movie has some glaring flaws in it, but it's obviously very enjoyable, but probably, I mean, definitely the three movies 
quite possibly the, the worst of the three. Um, but still very funny, very good, uh, enjoyable. A lot of uh, suspension disbelief. Yeah, you've got to pack in with this one. But um, the the one thing that really the core of that whole movie is this relationship with Nicole and and Flynn, which really the other movies don't. I mean, he he sleeps with every guardian he's he has in all three movies. But in this one, because he just becomes a librarian here, so we don't really know Flynn. So a lot of the the movie is developing him as a character. Like they don't have to do that anymore. We get Flynn. We know who Flynn is. They don't really have to develop that character so much. But the first movie really had to develop him, and it developed him basically through his relationship with Nicole. So really, they, the the whole movie is about really the development of their relationship. You know, moving forward, not quickly. They don't jump into bed straight away with each other. Um, it's you know. And so there's really an emotional connection that that we know that Flynn has that actually like kind of we have as viewers because you know like it's it's almost like she was our first guardian you know it's kind of like your first doctor right there's just something special about that and so it's it's t- now again because it's a different actress maybe we're a little bit more removed if they had uh, Sonia Walger come in it might have been you know, I might right now be saying, "Oh, he's he's definitely going to go back with Nicole." You know, so maybe just the fact that they use a different uh, actress helps us get a little bit more, you know, distance from that. But uh, but certainly, you know, there's 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 a lot there that they, they spent almost two hours building a relationship between these two people. So, you know, it's not like it's it's not just nothing. Yeah. So, all right. Well, the, the mission to recover the four cornerstones of the Library of Alexandria. I, I, what I really like about this is it, it sort of sets out for a new viewer, and it's a nice refresher for you know returning viewers what the library actually is. And you know, we learned that this Library of Alexandria was the original magic library until 48 BC, when the librarian at the time remove the stones effectively transporting the library from this reality to the alternate dimension that we know today and you know i i think we sometimes forget that you know we we see our characters in the library except for the uh didn't we have a whole season where they were at the extension because the library was uh lost yeah, in the, like season one space. right was that season one okay yeah so you know, this librarian hid the stones all around the world so it could never be reassembled and the library never made physical again with, I assume, the reasoning that nothing could fall into the wrong hands. So I thought that was great the way they did that. Just threw it out there, you know, in about 40 seconds or so. It's a good refresher if you need it. And then we learn pretty early on that Monsignor Vega already has one of the four stones they find the second one in that barrel at Niagara Falls. And, of course, that's where Jones steals the SD card, finds a photo of the priests that are. And, again, I, I love Stone. He picks up that little piece of cloth. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I spent a lot of time at Catholic schools or, <laughs> well, with Catholic schoolgirls. Right. So, so um, I just, I just want to step in here at this point while we're mentioning that that is not Western New York. That is not the Niagara River at all. And the Maid of the Mist, like, so they said the park ranger went over the falls, right? Yes. Well, the Maid of the Mist does not travel at the top of the falls. That would be super dangerous. The Maid of the Mist goes in at the base of the falls. So had the park ranger fallen in where he was obviously killed, unless they killed him, dragged him all, I guess they could potentially have dragged him back up to the top. But it doesn't matter because it's not the Niagara River anyway. It's not Western New York uh, because that water was moving super slow, and the Niagara River moves like a humdinger, man. I know it's nitpicking, but you know, just had to say because that's like my dad grew up like right there, like in North Tonawanda, which is right on the river. So, so I know my Niagara Falls. All right, you know we've we've talked about the time machine, but. But we learn about the malfunction that that sent her back 500 years. And again, I love that scene when she confronts him about it. Well, how did it happen? Well, I don't know. How did it happen? And I think on the third time, he finally caves and admits 
the truth that we assume she already knew that he rewired it and it blew up. And of course, we know he didn't do it on purpose and he says that, but there it is. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. Now, and, and this was like right. So, so basically, when we see that scene where she uh, grabs him, she's riding the motorcycle and he jumps on the back of the motorcycle with her that's literally the end of the movie and then they they ride off being chased by these time traveling ninjas which is crazy so it's basically that's when this happens right so you know right. it's it's it, they were still in the infancy of their relationship when she was you know sent back in time right now you know we learned that she stole a number of artifacts but as she tells jenkins and the others did i use any of them well you use the immortality artifact yes but on myself so jenkins he go i think he does even more than imply that she did that so she could exact revenge on flynn i have my doubts now 500 years is a long time to think about things so you know maybe her attitude toward flynn changed and she's been down in this basement all that time so uh, well not we all the time i think she because she she was free doing things for a while and so we don't know how long she's been there but it was it hasn't been the whole 500 years well i think he said 100 years now, yeah, yeah, now yeah, that i think, I think that. about it so right. but um you Which know still a long she, time to be in jail well it is now did she use the immortality stone in the hope that she would one day be reunited with flynn because they were in love I guess the romantic in me wants to believe that, but the realist believes that, well, after a hundred years, you know, maybe my attitude towards this guy is changing. So that seems to be, but, but again, I guess what I like here is we don't really get a read on what Nicole's thinking. You know, do we accept Jenkins answer to Flynn about why he never told him about what happened to Nicole, this whole thing about prophecy and we have to let things play out I don't know that that just seems kind of well but when and, eve says if it were me would you do that he's like absolutely so well, that's that, true that kind of solidified it for me that because I, I you know i had the exact same question you know does this mean we shouldn't be really trust, trusting jenkins but when eve asked him that he's like you know basically in a heartbeat yes i would do it to you too we get it that he definitely was doing this because of the the what we call the greater good Right. Well, that's true. And then, of course, her line I love, do you date all your guardians or just the blonde ones? <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. Kira Cameron doesn't have blonde hair. But yeah. <laughs> I think we see Rachel Nichols throughout her career more as a blonde than a brunette uh, the way we did in Continuum. Right. And, but, and again, like Sonya Walger in the movie had the kind of brown blonde mix that, uh, that yeah. uh, Rachel Nichols has going here. So. Right. Still a great line, but yes, definitely. Per- perhaps not totally accurate. <laughs> but the librarians and you know, I mentioned earlier the the reduced role that the three have and I, I thought it was great that it was really Jones that brings it up about the ethics of locking Nicole up. I thought we were supposed to be the good guys, he right. says. Right. And, and the, well, Jones ahead. just seems to be like like he's, it seems like he's starting to take his place, kind of like the conscience of of the group, you know, like the one who's able to kind of step back and more objectively see things. You know, the, when he said that, I'm like, you know what? I don't like. I can't put my finger on when he's done that before, but it seems like there's been other times when he's been the one. Well, like the uh, not necessarily the conscience, but with the uh, the fairy tales one, you know, like he ends up being proved right. In that one too, like a lot of times when he's the one who's kind of the objecting voice, but it's actually kind of maybe the the correct objecting voice, you know. Well, that's true, and and I mean, at least we're told that she was trying to hurt the library, and at this point, we're not sure exactly what to believe. If she hid the four stones, isn't that a good thing? Yeah. Right. Doesn't right. that protect the library? Exactly. She's not the one that went and found the first one. That was Vega. Uh, what else is the library not telling us? And I believe that's Jones as well. So, 
again, as you said at the end of last season, we, we, we get the sense that the library has a mind of its own. And, you know, it, now I think in, in this episode, that's one of the things that, that really is now a concern to Flynn. And, and I'm not sure how much of a concern it is to the others. I don't even know if it's a concern to Eve at this point. And I guess really her job is just to protect the librarians, not necessarily of course, I guess I have to protect them from the library if it comes to that. But right. the thing that also struck me is you know, the fact that she's immortal. Okay, great. She's been alive 500 years. So there's that affinity with Jenkins. And you wonder, I, I mean, I always look at these things like, well, how are they, how are they making their money? Uh, I saw somebody asked, uh, I don't know if it was on a Facebook group or on the Reddit page, where do the librarians live? Do they live at the library? Right. Well, yeah, I guess, I, you know, that's funny because I guess I kind of always assumed that, that yeah, that, that they uh, live at the library, you know. So I assume Jenkins takes her food. I mean, she's immortal, but that doesn't mean she doesn't need to eat and drink. So has he been conducting an ongoing relationship with her all of this time? Again, I don't know if that's something we're going to find out. You may already know the answer to that. So, uh, But we find out that the name of uh, Vega's group is the Heretic Order of Shadows. 1700s, they waged a revolt against the Age of Enlightenment. They want to return to the Dark Ages. And now, you know, you, you mentioned, I think, and again, I don't want to get into a big discussion about this, as I know you don't. It sometimes seems as if the Catholic faith is attacked in you know many films and many uh, television shows. I guess I didn't look at it that way. You know, when he says ignorance is bliss, I didn't necessarily take it in terms of a connection to the Catholic Church as much as just that man has just become obsessed with stuff and things and information being one of them and even though his his underlying purpose does seem to be evil you know there's a part of me that says well maybe he's right on one level um yeah you know like like i said i mean i just it's the, the catholic church i guess is an easy target and a lot of times they get you know like from the dan brown books and everything where you know it's always seems to be the the bad guy is some priest or cardinal or someone trying to prevent knowledge from getting out and everything. Just like, you know, I don't know. It's, it's just sometimes I think like, uh, people like we see in popular media, they might go a little bit overboard. And I'm not saying like the Catholic church has not deserved some of that, but also, you know, sometimes it doesn't always, you don't always need the same to kick around the same, same guy, you know? All right, well, we find out that each of the four stones is connected to a muse, and this is uh, how Nicole, I'm not sure why she can't remember where she hid four stones and needs to have a mnemonic device, but as a narrative device. (laughs) It's only four stones, right? Like, come on. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, the second stone they figure out is located at the Paris Opera House, which, of course, that was a great scene when Stone walks in and he's just blown away by the architecture. And just, again, I haven't posted the interview I did with Christian Kane yet, but it's just really wonderful. I mean, he's just as great a guy as you would imagine him to be. And, you know, we talk about a lot of things about his character and and things that, that Jake Stone likes to do. You know, unfortunately, we don't get to see a lot of him, but I like the the scene where he's like ready to slug the priest and he's i don't know if i'm ready to do this and boom he gets punched and and knocked out <laughs> so yeah all right now obviously eve is put two and two together about flynn's relationship in the past oh I'm, I'm sorry let me just say i just want to say one thing about the at the the opera house is okay. that they're performing uh the queen of the night aria from mozart's magic flute which could quite possibly be my like absolute favorite piece of music ever is awesome. And apparently one of the hardest things to sing because it requires like a super soprano voice and everything. Um, 
so I think I might once this is up, I might attach a video of uh lady performing this aria, but it's just awesome. Like the whenever I hear like I was like literally my skin was like crawling the back of my neck when I heard the music. I'm like, Oh, it's a magic flute. Oh my god. <laughs> so yeah, it was cool. All right. Obviously Eve has a sense of what Nicole meant at one time to Flynn. And I really find it fascinating and, and, and I like the fact that she essentially forces Jenkins to release Nicole so she can help them locate the one remaining stone. Now, you could argue that that's the pragmatic side of Eve, and she does it because that makes their job easier. And I certainly agree with that reasoning, but it's got to be difficult for her. Is Eve jealous? You know, how could she not be? Well, she's a human being. Honestly, I don't think it's jealousy, Dave. I think she connects with Nicole very quickly and understands she is looking in the mirror when she sees Nicole. Yes. And and so I, she I, is she is more sympathetic. I think she's even more sympathetic than Flynn when it comes to Nicole. Yeah, and, and that's I think when you ask the question why is she willing to take that risk? And I, I think it's that she recognizes the inherent honesty and goodness in a fellow guardian, which is, I think, what you're, you're saying. And, and, and she basically is putting her trust in this woman who at one point did the same job she does and, and understands what goes into that. So they go to get the last stone at Lake Maracaibo, the muse of memory who was born of lightning. And again, <laughs> I think I would remember hiding a stone in yeah. a field where I had to dodge lightning bolts. Yeah, but, exactly. You know, <laughs> that's just me. But, but yeah, 500 but she, years is a long time, though, so, you know. It is. But but she notices and comments on how well he and Eve work together. And that, that look on her face, it was really admiration, I think, watching. And, and that connection is, again, that, that you were alluding to a minute ago, the connection that the two women have in a short period of time, really compelling. I I really thought that was done really well with so many subtle glances and and just like a little line here and there. Absolutely. And and I said, you know, Eve sees herself in the mirror when she looks at Nicole. Well, it's the same thing with Nicole looking at Eve. And, you know, again, it's painful. Like we feel like she's, you know, made herself immortal so she could find her way back to this guy and she does, and he's kind of getting with his current guardian. And she wants, she, you know, obviously there's there, there's a lot of feelings in that for Eve. And uh, but on the other hand, like you said, like she looks at uh, at Eve. At, I'm sorry for for Nicole. Um, she looks at at Eve, and, and you can definitely see the admiration there, and that she sees herself in Eve. And so you know that probably makes it a little bit tougher. Yeah. And I have to stay away from IMDb, you know, because I mean, certainly I'm so curious as to how many episodes Nicole is going to appear in, but I I don't want to know that. And, And certainly if history is an indicator, the librarians will have a few standalone episodes where they don't really deal with you know, the, the stones and Nicole, and then maybe come back to her for an episode or two. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. Nicole, offers to help vega activate the stones and of course at this point we're thinking well what the hell is that all about yeah jenkins was right darn it well well that's that's what we're thinking that's what we're thinking at the time Yeah, yeah yeah and and then vega says he's waited for centuries so is he immortal also yeah i guess so i mean i miss centuries that's yeah i mean you know uh, I feel like we're back to travelers, so you know any little clue. So that means right. at least two hundred centuries, meaning more than one. Right. Uh, but this is definitely vort- longer than the average human lifespan. Exactly. So the vortex is created by the stones, and I, get, I missed it the first time around. But she chucks one of the stones into the vortex. I assume to hide it, to keep it from falling into yeah. the wrong hands. It, it will be gone forever i guess i guess but so now flynn has a chance well flynn goes in as well the the vortex is collapsing they've got to figure out 
how they can keep it powered up. And again, I love it. They're going to jump it like a car battery. Yeah. And I think Stone Stone's the one that figures out uh, which of the two stones are positive and which one's negative. And when I jump my car, I never do it the way I'm supposed to. No, when you jump your car, does. do you ever like ground one of them? I mean, I always go positive to positive, negative to negative. Um, cross my fingers. <laughs> I think I, I, uh, you know, I always have like the, the, the black attached to the handle of the other one, like because of the plastic part. And yeah. then, um, so yeah, I put like, I don't, yeah, I don't know. No, I don't know. I think I put like, yeah, I put black, black, then red, red. I think I go, I don't know. All right. Well, it, it anyway, always seems so, to work. I haven't shocked myself yet. So, so Flynn goes in, saves her this time. And then she disappears. And of course, the question at the end of the episode is, well, why does she run? And, you know, of course, the time-honored response that she ran because she's guilty. Well, uh, she ran this because what, she doesn't want to go back into a prison. Yeah, well, it's cr- kind of crazy here. Cassie be the one like, oh, she's guilty. Yeah, like, she's like the hardcore. Like, she obviously ran because she's guilty, you know? And, and uh, it's like the guys who are like, or like you know, I don't know where Stone pulled on, but definitely Ezekiel was like um, because she didn't want to. Go. Oh, no, Stone said she didn't want to go to prison, right? Yeah, yeah. So the guys are on board, you know, like basically, like you know, we get and and but Cass, Cassandra is like. Rah. So is it jealousy on her end? Is it? I don't know, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Nicole I is pretty cool a, though. So yeah. So uh, anything else you want to bring up? Um, you know, like her, her running, like I think ties in with what we were just saying is that, you know, she sees all this time she's, she's been waiting and, and waiting, waiting, waiting to be with Flynn again. And she finally sees him again and, you know, he's, he's got someone else basically. And so I tend to see this as her comprehending like that that her and Flynn are, are, is not a thing that's going to happen. She and Flynn is not a thing that's going to happen. And so maybe she's just ducking out, A, because she doesn't want to go back to jail, and B, because also she doesn't want there to be a triangle. She doesn't want to get in the way of, of Flynn and Eve. All right, well, we'll leave it there. Uh, you got a letter grade? Um, you know, I, I'm going to give this one a B plus. You know, normally librarians are A's all the way for me. But just that whole exposition thing, I did not care for. Uh, it's just too blatant. I think they could have done it more skillfully. Um, but otherwise, it was a great episode. Tons of fun. Very funny. Um, like, as you said, uh, maybe would have liked to see more of the, the younger librarians. But not that I don't like not like seeing Flynn, though, too. So, you know, I mean, it's great. What am I going to say? I love the librarians. I love everything they do. So I got to be a little bit harsh every now and then and nitpicky when I can be. So we give it the B plus. Oh, also because of the Niagara Falls thing. Yeah, that one really ground my gears. So. <laughs> All right. And, and I was vacillating between B plus, A minus, I think closer to the B plus. So uh, by the time I post it on the website, I'll, I'll make up my mind, but I'm kind of leaning B plus. And again, B plus is a great grade. So another one B plus. Go to an Ivy League school. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll leave it there. I want to thank you guys for joining us tonight. We'd love to hear what you think about the librarians, travelers, anything going on in genre TV. And there's a lot that's coming up soon. I'll mention those in the news next time. We'd encourage you to join the Facebook group. Share your thoughts with the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch community. If you're already a member, spread the word. Emails to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails on the SpeakPipe tab on the website. And we'll be back next time to talk about Season 4, Episode 2 of The Librarians titled the librarians and the steel of fortune but until then you know what i I like looking at the uh you know the feedback we get on facebook and this one really i I like the most it said you two are an amazing team